When I was a kid, my dad bought the property next door to our house. In fact, if you're interested in buying that property off of us, my sister would be glad to make you a deal today. But, but the man who had lived at that property and owned that property, he was kind of a, kind of a master gardener. He had these beautiful flower beds and all of these shrubs and everything in the yard. Everything that he had was beautiful and functional. And if you know my dad or if you knew my dad, he was not beautiful and he was barely, barely functional. Uh, dad, dad was more practical, wasn't he? He was a much more practical man. So as soon as dad bought that property, he started tearing out the flower beds. He started tearing out the, the shrubs and he wanted to plant garden just so we could, we could grow more vegetables in the garden. He was very practical in that way. One day, one of, one of the items in that yard was a little raised bed of strawberries. It was a strawberry patch. And one day, my dad saw me out there playing in the strawberry patch. I was picking the strawberries, and I wasn't washing them. I was just eating them, picking them and eating them. That's what you do, right? You just pick the strawberries and eat them. And enjoying the strawberries. And dad came up, and he said, I, I saw you out there with the strawberry patch. He said, I was going to plow that under. He's going to plow it up and... and put some grass seed over the top, but if you will take care of that strawberry patch, I'll let you keep it. Uh, if you take care of it, if you weed it, if you clean it, if you pick it, I will let you keep the strawberry patch. And that sounded like a great deal to me. I said, sure, let's do that. That'll be fine. And then I immediately forgot all about the strawberry patch. And it was probably weeks later, maybe even months later, when I finally walked out the back door and looked over where the strawberry patch had been and it was gone and there was actually grass growing up in its place. And what I learned about the strawberries was that I loved those strawberries. I enjoyed those strawberries, but I was not faithful to the strawberries. Faithfulness means you're there in the good times and you're there in the bad times. You're there when the strawberries are plump and they're red and they're sweet and they're delicious. And you're also there when the weeds have taken over your strawberry patch. You're also there when the slugs have infested your strawberry patch. That's what faithfulness looks like. You're there no matter what. This year we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit in that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. You guys remember the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we've looked at faithfulness this month, what we've seen is that first we have to look at God's faithfulness. We have to understand faithfulness from God's perspective because He is perfect in His faithfulness. We looked at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23, that says, in fact, great is thy faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, O God. We looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, that tells us, he who calls you is faithful. And what we see is that any faithfulness on our part, any faithfulness that we have, is faithfulness that we are returning to God, what, what He has already promised us. Our faithfulness to Him is demonstrated in places where God has already proven His faithfulness to us. Last week, we, we talked about hearing His voice and being faithful to the voice of God, hearing His voice through the Word of God and, and through prayer. And this week, I want to look at what it means to be faithful to God's people. I want to look about what it means to be faithful to His community, faithful to the church. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47, 
If you're using those Bibles that we provide for you there in the pew, it's on page 911, and you might recognize that because it's the same text we looked at last week. There is so much packed in to this passage, so much that tells us what the church looked like in its infancy. 2,000 years ago, if you had been in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, meeting with the people of God, with the followers of Jesus, you would see that is how they distinguished themselves. And while our times have certainly changed, much of what we see here we still find in the life of God's people and in the life of His church and in the way that we are faithful to God and the way that He returns that faithfulness to us. We look in verse, beginning in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And they, that is the believers, the Christians... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. One of the elements that we can recognize in this text, and, and I think we recognize it in our church today, is that faithfulness to God is seen in how we gather with His people. There's, there's an amazing little statement here at the end, the very last sentence of the very last verse, and it's so easy to overlook, but it's so full of meaning. Verse 47, the very last sentence says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you hear what's being said there? God did not add anyone to the church without saving them nor did he save anyone without adding them to the church. That verse tells us that salvation and participation in the life of the church went hand in hand, and I believe it still should to this day. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear me very carefully here on this. It says he added to their number those who were being saved. It doesn't say he added to their number those who were already perfect. It doesn't say he added to their number those who, were, those who were perfect or those who were sinless, those who were better than you. It doesn't say that. Instead, it says he added to their number those who were being saved, those who were willing to admit that they're broken, those who were willing to admit that they were helpless to save themselves. Later on in Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> Paul is asked by a man, what must I do to be saved? Guy asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Paul simply says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It, it means that we're a mess, that we can't help ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior, and we found that in Jesus. From time to time, we'll, I'll talk to people about church people who don't go to church, people who used to go to church, people who've been in and out of churches. And one of the things that they'll say to me is, well, the church is full of hypocrites. There's not a single hypocrite here who would disagree with that. There's not a single person here 
who would, who would disagree with that at all. We would not deny that. In fact, three chapters later, if you go three chapters later to Acts chapter 5, we meet a couple of hypocrites named Ananias and Sapphira. So, so the hypocrites have been there since the very beginning. And one of the other things that people will tell me is, I, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God just as well by a lake. I can worship God just as well in a, in a tree stand. I, I can worship God just as well in nature. And, and you know, I don't want to deny that either. I, I don't deny that, that we, can, we can find God in those places. And that's, that there's some amazing spiritual experiences to be had around us. But I would take you back to this passage. I would take you back to verse 47. What distinguished the church in the first century was those who were being saved were added to the church. And those who were added to the church were those who were being saved. And I can't get around those two facts. A few years ago, there was a poll conducted that asked American adults about their faith. And one of the questions they asked about of, of American adults was, do you attend church regularly? And what they found in this poll was that 31% of American adults, 31% said, yes, we attend church regularly. I think that's great. That's almost a third of our nation. American adults, 30, 31% said they attend church regularly. Then they asked a question, what's regular? <laughs> what do you consider to be regular church attendance? Is regular church attendance every Sunday? Is it every Sunday plus every Wednesday? Is it every Sunday plus every Wednesday plus the prayer meeting? What is regular church attendance? And for the majority of American adults who said they attended church regularly, regular church attendance for them was one out of three Sundays. Every third Sunday they were in church and they considered that to be regular church attendance. That is where our society has gone in what we think regular church attendance is. But do you see what that does, though? Do you see what that does to a church? Because in order to maintain attendance, in order to maintain what we do, we now have to fill, we now have to grow a church three times the size we used to have to grow it. We now have three times as many people who will come one out of three Sundays in order to do the same things that we used to do. We now have to have three times the number of volunteers. We have to have three times the number of youth workers, three times the number of sound people, three times the number of, uh, of people helping. Otherwise, things don't get done. But I don't need to be there every week. I don't need to be there every week. I can worship God wherever I am. And, and I, I agree with that. But, you know, Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And that verse blows me away. Because this is written in the first century. This is written in the decades following the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When, when apostles were still around, people who knew Jesus personally, people who had seen the resurrection, the resurrected Christ, they're still around. And what we read in Acts chapter 10, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Some people are already saying, well, I don't need to be there every week. I don't need to be there all the time. But Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You hear that verse. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about encouraging someone else. It's about being here for others. And that's part of the fruit of faithfulness also. Faithfulness is seen in the way we grow together. Again, back to verse 47. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what did that look like? Well, what did that look like? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Does that mean that once a week they came and sat in a pew? Once a week they listened to someone talk for a while? There was donuts in the other room? The, you know, what, what did that band, the band came and showed up every now and then? What, what did that look like? He, he added to their community. He added to the life that they did together. And that life is described in the first verse. In verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That's the life that they did together. That word devoted, that word occurs ten times in the New Testament. Ten times. And five of those times it occurs in the book of Acts. It describes the life that we do together. It describes faithfulness. It describes commitment. And what it describes is kind of like with my strawberries. You're there in the good times. You're there in the bad times. You're there when prayers are getting answered. You're there when prayers aren't getting answered. You're there when everything is growing, everything is happening. You're, you're there when it's not. You're committed to each other. And you notice in this passage another way the life together was described. Verse 46 says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Glad and generous hearts. It tells me two things about them. It changed them on the inside. It made them glad. But it also changed them on the outside. It made them generous. They were good to each other. And again, being being part of a church isn't about what we get out of church for ourselves, but what are, we, what are we doing for each other? How are we growing together? People who attend church regularly must be really unusual because there are so many people who have done studies on regular church attendance, weekly church attendance. There are a lot of studies out there. Harvard conducted a study over two decades, 20 years, they conducted a study of people who went to church every week. Week, week, week. They, 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 they talked about these people who had gone to church every week. You know what they found about people who go to church every week? They have lower blood pressure. <laughs> they, have, they have healthier hearts. They have better immunity. A study that was conducted in North Carolina found that frequent church churchgoers have a larger circle of friends, a larger social circle with more kinds of support. That means there are more people who are there in the difficult times for each other. The Journal of Religion and Health said that regular church attenders are less likely to be depressed, that they have a more positive outlook. And the University of Iowa conducted a study that found that teenagers who attend church every week, teenagers who attend church every week have higher GPAs than those who never attend. All of those benefits, and the book of Acts simply says, they devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves. I want the things that are on that list. I want lower blood pressure. 
I want, I want a healthier heart, and I want these things for myself, but, I, but part of being here is that I also want them for you. I, I want a healthier community. I want a better neighborhood for my family. I want friends who have a better positive outlook, and, and our faithfulness can do that. We can be here for each other so that we can grow together. And in growing together, our faithfulness is further seen in how we serve each other, how we serve the people around us together. Some of the things that we read in this passage are, are very particular to the first century, very particular to what was going on in, in Jerusalem. Verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. So right there at that moment, they were having favor with all the people. The people around them saw their kindness they saw their goodness. They saw the benefit of having a church in their community. But if we go just three chapters ahead, some bad things start happening and some opinions start changing about the Christians. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 3, excuse me, Acts chapter 5, verse 13, it says, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Some opinions changed about the church, but the church never stopped serving the people around them, and neither should we. If we're not reaching out to our community, if we're not focused on making the lives of the people around us better, we're not being the church we've been called to be. That's why we have youth lunches. That's why we invite the high school kids to come here one day a week, feed them a, a wonderful meal, and give them time to pray and time to grow in their own spiritual lives. That's why we have generous buckets where we ask you, just bring a dollar every week, and by the end of the month, we'll find somebody who needs help in our community. That's why we have benevolence giving. That's why we care for the people around us. That's why we have our new neighbors group that's going out into our neighborhood and simply asking, what do you need? What can we do for you? How can Kansas Christian Church help you? That's why we have youth group that for our kids. But it's not just about serving those who are around us. It's about serving those who come after us. Are we providing for the next generation of believers? Are we providing for the ones who come after us in our world, but, but also in our community? Back in May, I went to Ohio, and I met up with a, a bunch of friends in, in Cincinnati. I hadn't seen them in a long time. We're an interesting group. There's a lot of us. We get together every now and then and come from a lot of different walks. There's some Christians. There are a lot of atheists in this group. There's some Buddhists in the group. There are also some people that, well, they would tell you that they're pagans in that group. And then jobs are, are very different. There are computer programmers, there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are nurses, and, and they even let one preacher hang out with them. We were getting together in a restaurant, having dinner, and I got to talking to a friend of mine there. I hadn't seen him for years. We were talking, and the restaurant's loud, and he, he and I are face-to-face, -face and, and finally he said, I need to talk to you sometime. I'm like, well, we're talking now. You live on the other side of the country. It would be best if we talked right now. I said, yeah, what's up? And he said, what do you do when your 13-year-old tells you they don't believe anymore? That was his question. What do you do? when your 13-year-old tells you they don't believe anymore. And, and instantly, his eyes welled up. I mean, tears just started forming. I could tell this was weighing very heavy on him. And I said, you know, 
First thing I told him is exactly what I would tell you. I don't think doubt's a bad thing. I think if we, if we meet doubt with good answers, with some solid answers, if we have a good discussion, I think that doubt can make us even stronger. And, and so I was helping him with that, and I was telling him about some ministries that were out there and, and some resources, some, some, some websites that he could find and, and some books that he could find. And then I asked him the question. I said, well, would your pastor be willing to talk to your son about this? And that's when he said, well... We moved a little over a year ago, and we haven't had time to find a new church yet. We moved a little over a year ago, and we haven't had time to find a church yet. A year? How hard is it to find a church? We moved a, a year ago, and, and we haven't had time to find a church, and the fact is, I, I love my friend, but it wasn't a priority for him. It wasn't a matter of faithfulness. And, and it's easy to see in a world where, where regular church attendance is suddenly one out of three weeks. In a world where, where that's the norm, it's easy to make compromises. It's easy to say, I need a break. The kids need a break. But what my friend showed me that day is a truth that I've always heard. And, and it's always sounded very, very blunt. When the parents find church attendance optional, the children will find Jesus unnecessary. I love those strawberries. I loved those strawberries. I enjoyed those strawberries. I ate those strawberries. But I was not faithful to those strawberries. And one day, the strawberries were gone. And you know what? I didn't even notice that they were gone. The day the strawberries disappeared, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that week. I probably didn't notice that month. By the time I noticed, there was already grass growing up where the strawberries were. Would we notice the day that faithfulness is gone? Would we notice the day that faithfulness is gone in our lives? In the, the lives of our children? In the, lives of our, in the life of our community? Or will the grass just simply grow up and we'll just go on never noticing what we lost? This has been a hard sermon to preach. I hope you know that. I'm sure it's been difficult to listen to because so many of these issues are part of our culture. So many of these issues are just part of the world we live in and, and they become part of our schedules. The world has changed and the fact is the world doesn't care about your faithfulness to your church. The world doesn't care whether or not you are faithful to your church. It's going to go on scheduling things for you and scheduling things for your kids and your grandkids. They're not going to make it easy on you. And if you're going to be faithful, it's up to you. And so I have just, I have just one challenge, just one thing, one request that I want to make of everyone here today. And I, and I don't think this is too much to ask. My challenge is this. Just take one step forward. Just take one step forward. If you are a one out of three attender, become a one out of two attender. Honestly, only about half the sermons are any good anyway. So if with any, with any luck, you'll hit the good ones. I don't know. If you're a one out of three church attender, become a, become a one out of two attender. Just, just one step. 
If you're here most every Sunday, how about volunteering for something? How about volunteering for something? Just, just one step. We need people helping with junior church. We need people helping with youth group. We need people in the nursery. We need greeters. If you're here every Sunday, how about joining us for a Wednesday night when, when we come together and we usually share some great food and we share some great discussion and we build some real community in those times. We need people who are committed to the life that happens here and to the health of each other. Our faithfulness to God is seen in our faithfulness to each other. Will that be seen in you? Is that going to be seen in us?